how often have you heard someone with a health condition say, oh, I wish I caught this one earlier or done something about it beforehand? We're busy and prevention and maintenance with our health often doesn't sit really high up on that to-do list until it gets to a point where our mental health and our physical health reaches a crisis point. And this is all obviously important for us as individuals, but also from a company or an employer's perspective, it's a real issue. Employees either stay at work and don't look after their health and then become remarkably sick or incapacitated, or they take time away regularly from work and have routine appointments, which can impact productivity at work. So what do we do? Technology can play a really important role here to allow more people to access good quality care from their desktop. And with me today, I'm speaking with Dr. Patrick Award from CU Health. And in this episode, we're talking about taking a digital first approach to healthcare. How do we make best use of the data that's captured from online consultations? And what these kind of models mean to the existing healthcare system? And how do we make healthcare services more convenient and accessible to more people? Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. With me today is Dr. Patrick Award, the co-founder and CEO of CU Health, a virtual healthcare service that serves organizations to offset the burden of poor employee well-being. Dr. Awad is also an experienced company director with extensive knowledge in business and GP operations, having co-founded Loxley Health in 2017. He's passionate about improving organizational capacity and performance through the delivery of evidence-based health and well-being services driven by technology. He's a neurologist by qualification, has many publications on various topics, including the cost of health problems to organizations and well-being economics. Patrick, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. It's great to be chatting within the THD Plus community and now on the podcast as well. So appreciate you making the time. Look, I gave a bit of an overview about who you are and what you do, but in your own words, tell us about yourself, mate, and, and what you do. Thanks, Pete. Look, as you mentioned, my formal training is as a neurologist, so a, a very specialized area of medicine. And I, I love the science and I love looking after people with that science and I continue to do so. But throughout my journey as a doctor going through both the public hospital system and the private sector and working at universities as well, I identified that uh, there were a number of areas where access to healthcare and health literacy could be improved. And there are a fair few bottlenecks that pop up time and time again in our system, which probably could be addressed in a way which would empower patients in terms of accessing care and understanding their healthcare journey in a better way. And also, I am passionate about connecting healthcare professionals with new ideas and technology so they can open their minds about how to deliver their expertise in, in more effective ways. At the end of the day, we're only as good as our plans are executed, if that makes sense. So when we, when we see a patient and we go through how to help them and improve their life, if it's not administered in a way that can be understood by the patient uh, in a way that can be followed up, where accountability is delivered in an empathetic and, and regular and routine way, then things fall through the cracks. And I think that digital technologies allow us to bridge those gaps. So 
with CU Health, that was sort of a brainchild off the back of building medical practices and understanding how to look after communities and really acknowledging that good general practice and good primary health care is about multidisciplinary teams. It's about community. Uh, it's about many different touch points, which ultimately improve the lives of individuals and the people around them. And then taking that model and, and thinking about how we could translate it to the digital world, that way we could connect with more people and not be bound by geography. And then after that, it was like, well, who benefits from more easily accessible multidisciplinary primary health care? Well, pretty much everybody, really. But you have to sort of think about an organisational way of doing that so it's structured. Now, you can just say to the community, hey, tap into this. But what we recognise is that businesses, both small and large, are communities in themselves. Um, they've got shared values and shared goals and a lot of competing priorities. And these days, life is more complicated than ever. There's just so many different distractions and competing priorities that healthcare, particularly prevention, can take a back seat. So we thought, what better way to look after communities beyond a geographical region than to offer a team-based and collaborative version of digital uh, healthcare to businesses to improve the lives and well-being of employees. And ultimately, the business case really is to improve organisational health and their outputs and provide them with a pathway to solving lots of their people and culture issues, but in a really robust evidence-based way. So that's where we, we came from and that's where we are. Yeah, got it. Okay. And that's where we are now and CU Health. You, you've described a bit about it, but what does it actually look like? So it, it's a platform yeah. that employ, employees use? Yeah. So look, one of the core values for us in development was to translate sort of many moving parts of a practice into a digital form. And what that means to us, what the word practice means is it means continuity of care. So you really, for us, having a marketplace really wasn't the right way to go. For us, it was, we knew the evidence shows that you need to have a consistent and dedicated healthcare team that looks after an individual so they can develop trust and they can incrementally improve outcomes over time. And we know that. I mean, we instinctively know that. The good family doctors get to know every member of the family, the, the loyalty is built up, the trust is built up, they understand the nuances of you as an individual, and they can deliver much more effective care. So we wanted to preserve that in digital form. So to us, Having a virtual practice or practice in the cloud meant connecting individuals or, or, or the organizations they're a part of with a consistent, dedicated team. The next part of that was to have a platform that allowed for collaboration between all the healthcare professionals. So at CU Health, our core healthcare professionals are GPs, psychologists and clinical psychologists, uh, dietitians, health coaches, which are all registered nurses. And we also recognize the importance of mental well-being going beyond mental illness. So there's mental health, which in traditional or main road medicine is, is about treating, you know, anxiety and depression and so forth. But there's so much mental well-being that goes beyond that. And that comes down to your sense of belonging every day, your sense of motivation every day, and improving people's general outlook. And we have built into our service mental health coaching and performance coaching as part of it, because so many people just like they want to optimize their physical health, want to optimize their mental well-being. So that's part of it as well. So all of those healthcare professionals collaborate to deliver care. And in our platform, which is both available in app or a web-based version, the user enters a secure environment where we profile their health and well-being from a physical and mental perspective, also understanding any social burden that they might be upon them or financial burden that might be upon them so that we can then 
personalize the care that's required. And our health coaches who are all registered nurses, what they do is they seek to understand every individual's needs, uh, direct them to the right healthcare professionals in our platform. And from there, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. You end up with good people with qualifications, looking after other people, and then directing them to the right multidisciplinary team to carry them through to an outcome. And this concept of digital first healthcare, you know, we've seen more and more elements of healthcare having a digital mode to them, whether it's, you know, replacing an in-person consultation with a uh, a telehealth consultation, but then we've got more and more tools like remote monitoring and other bits and pieces that allow the, d- the digital delivery of healthcare. When we talk about this concept of a digital first approach to healthcare, what does that mean to you? Is it just about the accessibility and the, the convenience of the healthcare or talk to me a bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of the above, Pete. I think that the idea of digital first to me and to us at CU Health really means how can a digital tool enhance the healthcare of an individual and augment an already... Look, Australia has a pretty good healthcare system internationally, right? Yes, at the moment, there's a lot of pressure on Medicare. There are a lot of issues that we're going through after the pandemic. So all of those things need to be worked through in a systematic way that, that brings all stakeholders to the table, the, the, the doctors, the patients, the communities, the hospitals, every, everybody needs to be in that conversation and work toward a sustainable outcome. Where, where digital technologies can assist with that is, hey, we can say, well, where can we close the gaps with respect to access? Where can we use digital technology to more efficiently understand the needs of every individual patient? Where can we use digital technology to aggregate data in an ethical and appropriate way to improve patient care so that, for example, patients aren't having to repeat their story over and over and over again to many health practitioners. For example, to ensure the efficient and secure transfer of notes between healthcare professionals so that nothing falls through the cracks. Other ways that digital first approach help is we can uh, help ensure that a patient is directed to the right healthcare professional for them from the beginning. I'll give you an example. Mm. There are many, many medical specialists and How often is it a patient is referred to a medical specialist only to discover that that medical specialist may not be the right one for their particular problem and then they've got to go back to their GP? Or how often is it that someone's referred to a psychologist and then they go to that psychologist and maybe they don't gel very well and they're not the right fit for them so they're not going to build the rapport and then the follow-up's gone and the person goes back to square one and often they don't have the time to follow up. In the digital world, what you can do is you can create environments where people can review the subspecialty expertise, the interest areas of healthcare professionals. You can connect them even early on to meet and greet and get to know them and understand without the need for them to get in their car, go and discover that. Unfortunately, it's not going to work out and go back to square one. And so I think that providing a digital doorway to access services, but preserving the core traditional model of care, because you can't break that. The core traditional model of care is what doctors a dietitian, psychologist, nurses, they learn that at university and they apply it and there's good reason for that. It's not about changing that. It's about supporting that with digital technologies, both from the introduction phase and all the way through to build efficiencies and optimization of, of access to care. So I think that that's how I see it. That's a great way to look at it too. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. 
whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. Thinking then, having a digital approach to healthcare, we know that by the nature of it, it, it generates a lot of data and that, that can be a good thing. It can be an overwhelming thing. It can be a, a security thing. It can be lots of things. How do we make the most of all of this data that's being captured in, say, this, this more digitally inclined way of delivering healthcare? Yeah, and that's, uh, I think, such an important question, not just academically, you know, how do you use data to improve the mm. provision of care, but how do you facilitate patients accepting that you're using data for that? So there's a perceived risk, there's an actual risk, and then there's perceived benefits and actual benefits to it. And I, I really hope we keep moving down the pathway of reducing the perceived and actual risks of it, and I think we're getting much, much closer. And, and, and really just focusing on the net benefit of using data to improve care. So we can do that on a one-on-one. -on -one. So there's personalized care where it really is important. And then there's improving population health at a higher level and how data can help with that. So I'll start with the personalized side. Now, using data for personalization of care can be done in many ways. As you know, it can be using biometrics tools and, and using home monitoring tools to understand, does someone have a heart rhythm problem or does someone have a sleep problem or whatever it might be. And in that case, you're using actual biometric data to inform uh, a potential diagnosis or a referral to a specialist or whatever it might be, or to monitor a treatment. That's really precision medicine. And that precision medicine is coming leaps and bounds. And we see it in the tertiary hospital system with new radiology and scanners that can become very informative at a personalized level, all kinds of different new ways of achieving an optimal care in an, on an individual basis. When it comes to understanding an individual's risk factors for longer-term problems and preventive care, it's also extremely important. If you can identify early on the risk factors for illness, we know that you've got a higher chance of preventing future chronic illness, cancers, and so forth. And really then, once you've identified those risk factors, the key ingredient is early intervention. And this is where, again, the digital first thing comes in. Often digital first approach whether they're nudges, whether they're education, whether they're creating access means you're more likely to get ahead of the curve and use that data to shift the curve later on when it comes to the onset of chronic illness. And, and then at a population level, it's extremely important because if you aggregate all of that information in an obviously completely confidential way, but you aggregate the data with respect to risk factors in different populations, 
look at the behaviours in different populations, you have a much better chance at bringing together the right healthcare team to address those problems. So if you go to an area and the problems really revolve around family planning, postnatal depression, family sort of related medicine, then you really don't want necessarily sports medicine doctors or dietitians in relation to diabetes or that's not going to be the focus of that community. So you can then more efficiently build the right healthcare team around that population health data and then more efficiently solve the problems that they need, which then flow on to reducing hospitalizations, hospital admissions, and so forth. So I just think data is so powerful and it needs to be used responsibly with the ultimate goal of either precision medicine or personalized care being a primary focus and another primary focus being population health and designing the right healthcare services around the data. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, and, and that ties to that point that you kind of just touched on then too, and you've mentioned before, is that this is very much a multidisciplinary approach towards the care. You, you see in pockets of healthcare, you know, a, um, a physio who provides telehealth consultations from time to time or a GP who might, but then you might have a really engaged GP who provides a, a telehealth consultation, but then refers out to somebody who's only going to see the patient kind of in person, even if it's just to deliver some results, because that's how they do things. Having a number of different disciplines within the camp allows you to do some of these cool things with the data as well, right? Oh, well, uh, completely. I mean, so a bit of background there. In the hospital system, when I worked there, the standard of care to have multidisciplinary meetings daily to work out how to improve the outcome for the patient. So in that scenario, you know, if I'm looking after somebody who's had a stroke or whatever the case might be, a dietitian, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, a rehabilitation physician, head nurses, all join forces and deal with different aspects of the outcome for that patient. But we all discuss and collaborate so that a plan can be formulated and you can move forward. In the primary healthcare world, that multidisciplinary care approach is obviously still the goal and GPs are doing an amazing job trying to facilitate and um, be the traffic controller for their patients to go to the right allied healthcare practitioners to ultimately improve uh, patient outcomes. But it's clunky because of the way that the system works and people can be lost to follow up, there can be issues with compliance, there can be Medicare barriers, whatever the case might be. If you happen to be in a practice where you've got different multidisciplinary carers down the corridor and it's set up in a way where you can go from one room to the next and, you know, then that's great, but that's very, very rare. And sometimes too, it doesn't suit or those practitioners don't suit the individual patient. You need more choice. So the digital world, when you've got the scale and you can draw on healthcare practitioners from everywhere around Australia that have different focus areas and areas of interest, and they can collaborate digitally um, through either their own back-end virtual. So we, we create things like virtual um, tea rooms for our uh, practitioners to collaborate in, you know, secure, which is what happens at the hospitals or at the clinics. But you've got to create that collaborative environment where everybody can find their strengths and determine how they can best help patients. And then collectively, all of their data is used to amplify the, the outcome. So it's very powerful to do that and much more scalable and achievable in the digital space. Yeah. Then thinking about, though, the broader healthcare ecosystem and bringing it all back from a patient's side of things, it'd be great if everything was all kind of in the one bucket and all under the one thing, but we need to be able to tie things back to the existing healthcare system. How do you think about these types of issues? Uh, uh, this is a fundamental question. So when we built CU Health, one of our core values was to harmonise with the existing healthcare system. We're not here to disrupt it. You know, disruption is a great word in some sectors 
But in healthcare, we're not here to disrupt healthcare at all. We're here to uh, enhance and facilitate the existing system and work in with all of the doctors, allied healthcare professionals that are doing their jobs and simply for, provide them with an avenue or different avenues to provide their care, different interesting ways to collaborate with each other because healthcare professionals love collaborating with each other if they're given the chance. They also love research. They love presenting. There are so many different things that healthcare professionals love to do, but the economic pressures and the commercial models of healthcare either determine whether that's possible or not. So to us, one of our core principles is to ensure that every single person we look after, and we call people at CU Health members, they're members of our community. So we don't call them patients because sometimes patients are in the hospital beds often and they're very unwell. But in the CU Health ecosystem, you might be coming in just to have a health check, a checkup, be on a wellbeing plan. You might be that you conveniently want to repeat prescription and need to see a GP first, whatever it might be. So there are members. And in that in that ecosystem, it's very, very important that we communicate with external practitioners that are involved with the care of every member. So if somebody has a regular GP, we're in direct communication with them. We encourage them to see their regular GP. We're not here to take patients away from their regular practitioners. As a matter of fact, we want to connect in with them and even facilitate and encourage more consultations with their regular our GPs. We can also connect our platform into general practices so that regular GPs or routine GPs that see patients can see their patients on our platform if they're connected through it. We just educate them on the fact that CU Health is a provider to organizations. And, and just on that note, we've now got, you know, football clubs interested in our service. We've got members of the public interested. So that those people finding utility for our service are growing and growing, which makes sense. But going back to your question, all of our healthcare practitioners in our system all work in their own practices on other days of the week. So they're, they're deciding for a couple of days a week, I'd like to practice medicine or practice dietetics or practice psychology or whatever it is through CU Health. Then they're going back to their traditional bricks and mortar world to practice. And it's a real flow between one world and the other, but there's a connection between them all. And we always use our team to correspond between external practitioners and us. So we're just part of a larger ecosystem. And we also partner with larger health organizations in order to scale that. So we're very much part of it. And every time we step away from it, or we feel like we might be, we come straight back to it. And we, we go to whether it's the AMA, the peak psychology body, the peak dietetics bodies, and we seek to understand how to best collaborate with those agencies. Yeah. And even like I, I think about that question too, just from a a patient's perspective, like in a re real life setting, as a patient, if you were told, oh, well, you know, this is the only healthcare you need now, like that doesn't even make any sense. No. So, you know, having that, that collaborative approach and the the pathways and thinking about, you know, different steps of the journey for a patient. Yeah, that's a, a healthy way to think about it. Absolutely. And then thinking about the future, look, you know, we've got a busy next couple of months planned. We were chatting before. Patrick, what's, what's on the horizon for CU Health? What can we look forward to seeing? So, look, it's a very exciting time for us. A little bit more background, which sort of informs what we're doing now is my, my um, business partner and I, my co-founder, we, um, we mapped this out for COVID. So this was really interesting for us. About seven or eight months before the first case of coronavirus 19 was reported, we had this mapped out on Butcher's paper, then on a PowerPoint presentation. Then we started collaborating with a lot of digital health providers to work out how our ecosystem worked. And we got to a point where we thought, you know, this model could help people in the bush. It could help people who are busy working professionals. It could help a lot of people. And we started to work out how to take the steps required to get there. And that was going to require government grants. It was going to require investors and it was going to require 
uh, the support of a lot of the healthcare professionals that we uh, work with. So uh, along the way, we built out the platform. We've had an amazing group of supporters along the way, which has allowed us to get here. And we ran a big trial uh, and that worked uh, well, great testimonials and feedback. And uh, and we launched officially in March of this year. So the the launch really was to, generally speaking, um, heads of HR, people and culture in small and large businesses and informing them of the way we can improve the well-being of their employees and how that's going to improve business performance. And for us, look, to be honest with you, it's all about the health and looking after people, but there's a direct correlation between that and business performance. And we needed a way of underpinning this business with a business case so that so um, it was a great synergy to look at um, uh, the, the well-being of the business world and, and how healthcare can improve that. So at this point now, we are about to onboard a number of our first uh, businesses, including ASX businesses, which is really exciting. As I mentioned earlier, there's a, a football club who's interested in us for their players, but also for their members and they're members of the public. And what we're finding is a lot of uh, membership-based organisations that really want to be progressive and move forward and have well-being at the top of their list in terms of priorities, their values are now moving toward looking after their members or their employees or whatever it might be. So CU Health Service, because it provides such essential uh, everyday services, whether, like I said, whether it is you've got a migraine and you need help or you need a repeat prescription uh, or you need some counselling about something or you want to be on a long-term wellbeing plan and improve your sleep uh, or, or your physical activity or whatever it might be, it really, I think, ticks the boxes for a lot of people no matter how old you are and no matter what um, stage of life you're at. So we are, in the next six to 12 months, I think going to see a lot of new partnerships flourish, both healthcare collaborations on our side and building up our ecosystem and also uh, looking after more organisations and their people. And, and we're, we're, learning from our, from, we're learning from the market, so to speak. As we go along, we're listening and we're saying, oh, that's how we can help. And then we're iterating our model based on where the needs are and going through all the governance that's required to do that responsibly. And the other thing I'd say is internally our team's growing and I'm really proud of our team. We've got an amazing group of people around us and that's what's bringing it to life. So a uh, very exciting time. How good is that? No, look, keen to watch it with interest and um, look, we'll put the details for CU Health in the show notes of this episode for people to check out and they can connect with you, Patrick, through those links there. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to hearing how things go and we'll need to check in again soon. Thank you so much. Sounds fantastic. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Before you go, if you're loving the show, do us a massive favor and write us a nice review and give us five stars over on Apple Podcasts. I've noticed that every single rating really helps us move up those podcast charts. We peaked recently at number six on the Apple technology charts in Australia, and I'd love for us to break into that top five so we can share all these amazing stories and perspectives with even more people. So it makes a huge difference if you can jump into that podcast player on your phone right now Give us five stars, but also importantly, write one or two sentences about what you love about the show. Thanks so much. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.